0: this is a color pencil podcast session number 271 welcome to sharpened artist a color pencil podcast weekly discussions in and around this medium that we love so much hey there my name is john middick of sharpenedartist.com this is a color pencil podcast and i am your host in this show I'm going to talk to you about how to start teaching, some tips on getting started with writing your own articles, uh, what to look for, what not to do, and what to do when you start teaching a class. So. Uh, You may recall that not all that long ago, I asked for some call-in questions. And so I was going to do a call-in type of show. Well, I've got a, uh, a whole bunch of those now stored up. And I've got them in a great big bag over here. And I'm going to tip the bag over, let a couple of them fall out. And we're just going to answer them today. Now, what I had in mind initially is that I would just play all of the questions that were called in, and I would just answer them all in one huge longer show. But as I started listening to these questions, I realized that you guys have got some really deep and intricate questions that I think require a little more forethought. And so that's what I want to do is I want to group these together by subject matter. So we've got two today that are grouped by the subject of teaching, and I'm going to just do a series then of question call-in shows. And so today we're gonna to handle two questions surrounding the idea of teaching or getting started teaching. So here are the questions. Hi, John, this is Brent. And I'm a member of your monthly sharpener group, which has been really fun to participate in. Anyway, I have a question regarding teaching. I'm joined with the idea of coming up with a watercolor pencil class or a workshop that I could do at a local library or even one day at a local craft store if I find I like doing it. I think I've heard that you have done both in the past. So I was wondering if you had any tips on getting started with something like that, and perhaps a sample agenda of what could be covered or what would be required to have in a class, which would probably be geared toward beginners and be fairly short. Thanks, John. Hi John, this is Kim Keyes. I would love to hear you do some um, things on your podcast concerning teaching. I know you've taught for years and would just like to hear what you uh, have found to be the do's and the don'ts and the things that work and that don't work well. Uh, I'm just beginning teaching and just trying to find my way through this. Also, if uh, you could kind of tell how you uh, develop tutorials and things like that. Anyway, I would just love to hear some of those. I enjoy your podcast, and thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Brent and Kim, for calling these in. I really appreciate it. So what do you do when you want to start teaching, or at least you're toying with the idea, to start developing some kind of curriculum, and you want to start teaching that to students How do you go about doing that? Well, as with anything, and I'm going to give you my ideas and tell you exactly what I did, but I also want to tell you that the first thing that I usually do when I have a project and I don't know where to start or it seems like it's something that's so overwhelming that I don't know what should come first, second, and third – then sometimes what helps me is I'll use my planner and I'll write out just the first few steps. Sometimes what I write out is research on what it would take to start this project. But then I give myself a deadline and a time limit on how much research, because you can research for years and years, right? Uh, So I, I usually just set a time limit on that. And then I I figure out what the next step is. If you can have three to four steps involving what the next steps are written out in detail, what you should do exactly, then you won't allow yourself to procrastinate. You won't allow yourself then to think of an excuse like, oh, I don't know what the next steps are because you've written them down. And what helps, I think, is. You, you break it down just as small and as incremental as it needs to be. And so if it involves something that you don't know about, the first thing is researching, figuring out what the first step is, right? Okay, so at some point you have to make some contact with whoever it is that uh, holds, holds the keys, holds the door, uh, is the gatekeeper, right? So here's what I did. I wanted to start teaching and I wanted to teach at uh, an art store um and uh, or a craft store or something like that. I I don't remember even how I found this part out. And this is what happens too is you there you get the curse of knowledge. You start understanding certain things and then you forget some of the steps involved um after it's been so long since you know you figured those things out. But at some point I figured out that the libraries, the public libraries, would allow someone to come in and have a, just a little workshop and teach something to their patrons. They call that one of their, um, uh, what is it, an activity calendar or something like that. And um, they they like to uh, drum up some support from the community, have a uh, planned calendar event for some type of interest um, regarding a hobby or some vocation or something else. And so that was something that I thought, okay, that's a low barrier to entry. I could do that. Um and then I could also just say to my local library that's very close to my house that I'll come in and do this and I won't charge for it. And that way I I take away that stress level of, oh, I've got to perform. I've got to make sure that I create something of high, high value here. Now, I wanted to do that anyway, and I did do that. But it takes a lot of pressure off of you to just tell yourself, okay, nobody, you know, if they don't like it, they can get a refund, right? Because it's free. No one is being charged, not the library and not the patrons. And so that's what I did is I went and I just spoke to the librarian there. And she said, okay, um, actually, we've had a canceled event. And I can put you on the calendar. And I think it was like three months uh, from that date that we were speaking. And I said, okay. And I didn't really know what I was going to teach really at that point. But I knew I had a lot of time between, you know, there was of several weeks for me to get ready and prepare for that event. That's exactly what I did. And the closer I got to that date, things started to fall in place. I started to write out the curriculum, write out the agenda. Um, I wrote out a teacher's copy of what I needed. And the more planning and the more preparing that you do ahead of time, the more confident you're going to be, right? If you've ever done any public speaking, I've I've done a fair amount of public speaking uh, for um, years and years. And so I knew that just by experience that The more I was comfortable with the subject matter that I was going to be speaking on, then the more comfortable I would be and I would be able to uh, perform in such a way that I could be helpful. I could actually uh, make an impact. I could help someone. I could make it fun. And that was the whole point. You know, it's not enough to just say, OK, we're going to come here and we're going to learn some things. I mean, that that's good. And there are some people that will come only for the learning, you know, but learning is so much better when it's fun, when it's enjoyable, when you can sit back and relax and laugh and have a good time. And so I wanted to make sure that that was going to be accomplished. So how do you do that? Well, I I've done it. Uh, wrong, and I've done it the right way. <laughs> so I'll tell you, I'll tell you the ways that I think work and that that worked f- for me, and I guess my personality and with what I'm doing. I had door prizes. Now they weren't anything big. Uh, pencil companies and paper companies uh, have given sample products to me from time to time, and I store those up and I'll give those out. I never use them myself. I've not done that yet. What I've done is. I've used them for workshops and classes, and so I'll give them out in a raffle. So I'll raffle off things, and you, you put them in a little tiny gift bag, or or not at all, but you raffle them off, and everyone leaves with something, and everyone's happy. I've raffled off uh, some pencil sets, um, you know, small pencil sets. Uh, some of some of them I've bought in the past. Um, And so, and that, that was worth it to me to make everyone happy, just to make it a fun time, you know, you have to be kind of careful with that. I mean, you can overspend, right? I mean, it could be easy to overspend, but. Pair up with, you know, the library, the library, believe it or not, they've got they've got a substantial budget that they can work with. Sometimes, you know, it depends on the county, depends on the area and that kind of thing. But your more rural uh, public libraries and those areas are not going to have as big a budget for uh, a class or a workshop as some of the more urban ones will. But what I found is if I pair up with them and I talk to them about the supplies that were needed, they provided those. And that first one that I did, they provided the supply. So I told them, I said, I need eight by eight inch Stonehenge paper. They bought all that. Uh, I also told them I need, um, you know, uh, 12 set uh, pencil sets of uh, Prismacolor Premier pencils because that was the cheaper pencil uh, that they could probably afford. And it was kind of tight for them is what they told me, but they went ahead and they purchased those. So we had 30 people, if I remember correctly, there were 30 people that showed up. There was a wait list of about 10 people on the wait list. Uh, The room would only hold about 30 and they bought all of those supplies for um, the patrons. Now, I had pencils and some pencil sets that I raffled off and gave away. All right, so it made it really, really fun. I had some door prizes that I um, gave away as well. So it just made it fun. And you just pepper those throughout the whole presentation and throughout the demonstration. I had uh, a video that I wanted to show. And you don't have to do it. I've done it both ways, so you don't have to do it that way. Um, I've done it without a video, showing a video more times than I have done it with a video. And either way is just fine. But I showed a video of some of the process while I was there. Everyone told me they they enjoyed uh, the workshop. And um, here's what happened. A year late, well, it wasn't a year. It was a few months after that, I was contacted again. And the librarian asked if I wanted to um, schedule some classes that they would pay for. For the next year, so I had handouts for everyone. Uh, I tried to make the instructions very fun, easy to follow, not real complicated. The project it's itself was a simple still life, something that didn't require a whole lot of, um, you know, drawing skills. If you, you know, if you you've got to teach to the masses, and so you're you're trying to teach something that will appeal to a lot of people. And will not be so taxing that you're going to spend five hours on the line drawing, right? So you got to find something that's pretty easy to um, do within an hour's time frame, and that's pretty much what you want to keep it at for uh, that kind of forum for a library, at least the ones that I'm around. Okay, so here's what happened. That that's kind of my my experience with it. All right, here's what happened as a result. Then I was contacted. They asked me uh, about doing a program for the following year, and it would bleed over into uh, the year after that. So it was about a year and a half long, and I would teach at uh, different libraries throughout two counties. Uh, They shared some of the funds with another county, and I would do that throughout, uh, you know, it was about 18 months. And so it worked out to where, if I'm remembering correctly, there was like about two different libraries every month, and it was about an hour long each time. And I got paid between $170 to $240 for around an hour. Now, some of the library branches would call me and they would say, that's going to cut our budget, uh, cut into our budget, uh, and we won't have money for other things. Can we trim that down a little bit? And usually what I would say is, sure, we can we can trim that back and, uh, you know, we'll do 45 minutes for 175. You know, I would I would take time off of whatever it is that I was going to be uh, doing for them. Uh, They weren't paying me travel time. So some of them, you know, I had to drive a little ways to get there. And so I I made it, you know, to where it was something they could afford, but it was still worth their while to have me come out there and teach that workshop. So those workshops and classes went very well and was very, very successful. And I've even been contacted, I want to say maybe a year ago, even uh, asking if I would come back and teach some more workshops. How do you get started then with something like that? Here's what you could do. If you don't have a library that you already have a relationship with near you, then just pick one that is close to you call them up or go visit Um, I think it's better just to uh, call and ask to talk to the librarian and just ask you know hey uh, this is this is uh, John and um, do you have a moment I just wanted to talk to you about your planning for uh, your activity calendar and I've got an idea that I wanted to run by you is now a good time yeah they say yes or no if uh, if it's no, then you say, great, when can I call back? When are you uh, available this week? And uh, I could even come in if you wanted to or something like that. That might be pushing it a little bit, but you just want to have a conversation. That's it. Um, and if it's a yes, then you just say, great, I've got an idea for teaching a colored pencil workshop or in your case, I've got an idea for teaching uh, watercolor colored pencil and um, I wonder if I could. I wondered if I could just submit my proposal to you. She may say, "Well, what do you have in mind?" Or he may say, um, "Sure, how much will it cost me?" Something like that. And so you say, before you talk about the price, just say, "Yeah, great. That's a that's a wonderful question." And then you just answer with, "What I do is I teach core fundamental drawing principles." And as they apply to colored pencil or watercolor colored pencil, and then you stop and you say, does that sound interesting to you? Or does that sound like something that you think your patrons might be interested in? And they'll say, sure. Yeah, um, actually, I've had some that have asked about when we're going to have an artist come in here and talk about that. You know, they may say something like that, um, And then you say, oh, great. And then you talk about yourself for a brief second. And you say, oh, good, because I do plein air, watercolor, colored pencil work, uh, and I'm very active online. So here's what my program looks like. And then you start explaining a little more of the details and then get to the price. Don't ever not get to the price. I mean, obviously, you want to do that. But then you talk about how that Uh, You teach pencil pressure, you teach which surfaces to use, which ones not to use. I talk about the layering process, I talk about burnishing, about using solvent, and a whole lot of other things, but first off, I want you to know that my price is $200 for one hour. That's typically what my price is. How does that sound and how does that fit with your budget? And you stop talking. And you don't talk again until they say something. And if they say, oh, wow, that's just way, way too high. That's outrageous. Uh, We could never afford that, which, by the way, they probably won't say that. Usually what they'll say is, oh, sounds good. will. I will have to get with my I don't remember what the hierarchy is at the library, but they'll get with someone. And they usually have an idea of when they get together with this particular person. It's usually a standing meeting. It's once a month or once every two months or something like that. And they discuss the budget. And what you can do then is schedule the next appointment. That's critical. You say, okay, great. Um, how about I call you back? Then they'll tell you the date that they're probably going to speak to that person. And then you tell them, okay, um, can I plan to come in and discuss this further with you on such and such a date? Or can I give you a call on such and such a date? Or And then they may say, I'll give you a call. Something like that. Say, okay, great. Here's my number. Give it to them. And you're done with that part of it. Now, when that time period rolls around on the calendar, you give it a few days. If they don't call you, you call them back. And you say, hey, it's me again. And... I just uh, wanted to follow up with what we talked about last month and see if you were able to meet with so-and-so and and wanted to see how I could help or whatever. So that's kind of what you would do with that piece of it. All right. So let's talk then very quickly about how to prepare for the event Now, I got to tell you that teaching a workshop is just fun. It's one of the most enjoyable things um, that I've ever done. I love it. I love meeting new people, interesting people that are, you know, they have different personalities. They are enjoying themselves. They love being there. They love doing what they're doing with the project usually. Now, some people, um, you know, if it's a husband and wife, then I can tell you that a lot of times the husband um, typically is being drugged there and they're not all excited about it. Not quite as much as the the wife is. (laughs) That's what I've noticed a lot. So um, there's some of that going on, but uh, it's still fun and it's fun to see what's going on between people and and just get the group talking, and talking to one another is a lot of fun. I think so. There, there's hardly anything I can think of that is as rewarding and as entertaining as doing a workshop or a class. I, I love it. I, I just think it's one of the the best things ever. Now, if you're just a complete introvert, um, then it might be draining for you. I consider myself an introvert, but I'm kind of in between because I. I get real excited whenever <laughs> there's a big group like that and uh, and we're doing something fun together. So you kind of have to figure out, you know, what your personality style is or, or, you know, what what is it that will drain you? What is it that will help fill you up? I'm also a very, very positive person and I usually see the silver lining. I usually am upbeat. I usually can see... Um, you know, I usually see something that is good about something. And so it takes a lot typically to get me down. And if I'm in a group like that, the best thing in the world is to me is being in a group of people that they're, we're not talking about anything that. will get people's blood boiling. We're not talking about politics. We're not, you know, discussing anything that uh, is sensitive. uh, Although uh, some people will feel sensitive about their art. So you have to remember that. But for the most part, everyone's there and their, their guard is dropped and they're having fun. They're enjoying themselves. And it's just, it's just a great time. Great, great time. Okay. So here's what I then usually do to kind of prepare and plan my project is I think of something that is very simple, an apple, an orange, um, you know, something that is not going to be very, very difficult. And then you draw that and you draw it with the, the most simple colors that there can be. And you make the process pretty straightforward. One, two, three. That kind of thing. But you mix in some areas where it could be more complicated or you could push some of uh, your attendees in a direction where they've got a little more. Uh, freedom of expression or some of your more advanced students can do something that some of the beginners won't be wanting to do. Like you may want to push them and say, oh, instead of drawing one apple, why don't you draw two? And I've got a reference here for that. You can do that if you want to. Or you can just have fun with it and just talk to them more about, um, you know, some of the intricacies with the materials or talk to them about, Um, you know, some other things with the project that will push them in certain areas. You never know what that is. I mean, you have to find out sometimes you'll get someone in there though, that, um, you know, they do art all the time. And so they want to be pushed a little bit. So you find out what it is that they're wanting to explore and what they want to learn more about. And you can kind of tailor it for whatever it is, because it may be color. Uh, and so push them in a direction, say, figure out what the compliments are for this, Rather than just going for red for the apple, you know, figure out the compliments i I don't know' I'm making up something, but that's the fun of it is figuring those kind of things out. The other thing I tried to do is as soon as someone would come in and i was I got really pretty good at it if I could say that about myself, but when they would come in, I would ask their name, they would tell me their name, and then I would just memorize that name and I would associate it with something about. Uh, what that face looked like to me. And, um, and so then I would remember their name. And that just means a lot because it's such a personal thing for you to you know call someone by name. And it means a lot to people when you call them by name. There's a lot of great things though that can happen when you start teaching. People remember you and they'll come to you when uh, they want private lessons when i've had uh i've had some that have contacted me from those library workshops to uh, teach at um, their uh, homeschooling co-ops i've had private lessons i've had many that have uh, taken the the uh, online courses that i teach uh, because they were in my library workshops that happens uh, constantly it happens all the time and then it leads to other things. And so when you want to approach a Michael's or a Hobby Lobby or Plaza Art or any other art store around you, rather than a, even a craft store, and you go to them and you can say to the manager or the district manager, or area manager, whoever um, makes the decisions on that, you can tell them, I've been teaching now for a while, for several years, and I've been doing this, this, and the other. And you have a conversation with them. They know that. This is something you've been doing for a while. It's not something you just started yesterday or you're just experimenting with. And so doing this at a library or a school, you can do this at a school. It's nearly the same process if you do this at a public school or private school and you charge about the same amount. Now, that varies, obviously, from one area to another. So you have to kind of figure that out and figure out what would be customary for your particular area. But I got to tell you that I have students that have emailed me from time to time. It's happened a lot where they'll ask if I have uh, a course that I teach on watercolor, colored pencil. So there is a demand for it out there. I know it would be successful. And so, Brent, you may be the guy that you develop this. You could even do an online course if you decide one day to do that. But. You may be the guy that people want to go to to learn that very technique. Uh, Or if you're listening today, you may be the gal or the guy to do this. And I can tell you that I think that it would be very successful. And I know you'd have a lot of fun doing it. Okay, let me get to Kim's question very quickly here. I know it's closely related to what Brent was asking, but how do you just get started in general uh, with teaching, do's and don'ts with teaching. So very quickly then, one thing that I always try to do is I, I try to put myself, and I'm not always successful at, at, in this, but this is what I try to do. I try to put myself in the student's position and in their head. And I try to think about myself just a few years ago. You know, it wasn't all that long ago that I was learning. Uh, how to, you know, brand, brand new to colored pencil and learning how to do all the things. And so I want to think about what would be helpful for me when all of this just felt like a mountain of knowledge that I was never going to be able to conquer. But uh, that's the first thing. And if I approach it like that, and if I think about how can I help, then everything else just kind of will start to fall in place a little bit. And then always keep your ear to the rail. Always listen to that heartbeat. If you're able to reach out to people all the time and you're constantly asking for feedback and you're constantly asking for how can you make something better or what would improve something, then you will improve your teaching ability. So, that's in stark contrast to someone who only teaches on YouTube and never has any contact with their audience, uh, if they're not picking on YouTube or Instagram or somewhere else. And they never have conversations with anyone. They're, uh, they're one-sided. They are only teaching. They're only talking about what to do. And they're never listening for a feedback loop at all. So that's in contrast to that. So think of it like that, I guess. I hope that helps. All right. So <clears throat> some of the do's and don'ts, though. Um, one thing I learned kind of the hard way is don't allow, if you're going to have a demonstration based class or workshop, then don't allow one or two students to just work on their own project, to to work on something entirely different and an entirely different surface and entirely different, uh, techniques that they're going to be using. Um, you've got a real disjointed program going on and it can actually, be a little confusing to some that are there. So if you keep everyone on the same project and pretty much on the same step, then the other problem with that is that you're only going going to be able to go as fast as the slowest person in the room, right? So you want to try to help. Uh, at the beginning, everyone to, to stay caught up. But then somewhere near the middle of the class or workshop, you're going to have stragglers. You're going to have some some that will stay behind and some that will work ahead. And that's normal. That will always, always, always happen. I don't know how to ever not make that happen. That, that always will. Some will work ahead because they should be working a little bit faster. Some will go slower because they should be, but some will be going slower because they're lost or confused, or because it's such a brand new thing to them. They're uh, needing extra help, and so you you kind of have to straddle this particular uh, area. The these two groups. And you kind of have to feed both of them sort of at the same time. And you can talk to the earlier group and say, and for those of you that are on steps six and seven, this is what you can be doing right now. And for those of you that are on step three, when you get to that part, you're going to find that on steps three and four. Um, that will take care of itself because you're going to be working on this even more on step six you know something like that but you have have to sort of anticipate what may be um, happening for those that are lagging behind and allow them to be a little bit slower because it doesn't matter but also let them know they're not the only ones there's others that are uh, going that slow as well and it it's not an indictment of them or anything like that. Um, they're enjoying themselves more than likely, but there may be one, maybe two that are getting confused and you don't want confusion. You want everyone to, uh, be happy about what's going on with the process. And so you, you kind of ask, you know, what, what's going on or how can I uh, help you a little bit over here? And that usually, uh, Will end up allowing them to talk and to explain what they don't understand. And then you can kind of help them with where they are. All right. And that goes along with, you know, keeping yourself in their space and allowing yourself to be with them emotionally and with them in the learning process. That you're not abandoning them. You're not just leaving them out there to fend for themselves, but you're going to be there every step of the way. And that goes a long, long way. All right. So some of your students, they'll come to the program. They'll be super excited and some will be super scared and nervous. They may be excited, but they'll also maybe be nervous as well and they don't want to be singled out they don't want to be put on a pedestal or called out or anything like that they want to be just hidden in part of the group and so we have to kind of remember that as well okay this is getting a little long let me just answer very quickly then in closing i've written a number of articles um for websites and for magazines And I've done that for several years now, but I will tell you that uh, I've done it for my own website and some of my own articles, but I've also done it for other publications as well. But I will tell you this, the the thing that I now do, uh, I didn't always do it this way, but this seems to be the simpler way to do it is to when I'm working on the project then I have to think about the fact that this is gonna be something, I'm going to have to package this up and explain this later. And so what I'll do is I'll think about that. I may take notes, I may take pictures of some of the pencils that I'm using as I'm going through the project, but I'm videoing it typically. And so I can take stills from that video um, and then I'll sort those out and I'll if it's a, if it's a ten-step process to talk about in an article, if that's the requirement, then I'll take the first step, the still image from that first step. I'll take the last step, and then I'll put that in a document, probably a, a Google Word document, and I'll say step one, and I'll put that image in there, and then I'll. Uh, you know, return carriage, return carriage a few times or go to a few pages uh, down the road here, put a a horizontal line in there and then stick the last image in there and call it step final last image. And it'll be my final image. And so now I go directly to the middle and I grab the middle image and I say, this is the middle image. I call it step middle image. Uh, later on, it's going to have you know, uh, if it's if it's ten, then I already know it's going to be one, and then step ten, and then it'll be you know step five or whatever. But if if it's more steps than that, then I'm going to call a middle and last and that kind of thing first step. But that's what I try to do. I try to get the first, middle, and last first, and then I start filling in in between all of those areas. But I'm thinking about how to simplify it, even with what I whatever I did. In the project, I still want to simplify it when I'm explaining it and when I'm trying to walk someone else through how to go through the project. Because the point is, I feel like the point is not to have them crawl inside my brain and hear every little thought that I have about what I'm doing with my project. Do that a little bit. That's helpful. but. It it gets a little weird whenever you're trying to explain every little thing that you did, but to help them to understand how they can replicate what you did and the lessons that they may be able to take away from the project that you did. I think that is even more helpful. At least it is for me when I'm looking at what someone else did and I'm thinking, huh, I wonder how that artist accomplished that. I wonder how they did that. So, Kim, I hope that that helps. I hope that makes sense. Uh, Let me know if it doesn't. Just uh, write me back and let me know or call in another question. I suppose uh, you could do that as well. But you know what? You can do this. And uh, I know you can. And you and I have had other conversations as well. So you may you're probably I think you are already teaching anyway. So congratulations on that. Uh, I, I hardly know any other profession that is as rewarding as teaching. So, all right. If you are thinking about teaching, then I want you to know you can do it. It's rewarding. It is one of the most enjoyable jobs and professions. I think that there is. Okay. That's it for today, guys. If you have a question or would like to leave a comment, you can always email podcast at sharpenedartist.com or you can comment in the show notes at artist.com slash Podcast. If you would like to call in and leave a voice message for the show, go to the podcast webpage again. And over on the right hand side, you'll see a little pop out banner and you can record your voice message right there by clicking on it or tapping on it if you're on a tablet or phone. This is a weekly show, and I'll talk to you again next week.